how he has used the, the apostles to take the gospel into Samaria. We've talked about how this guy by the name of Saul made it his goal to destroy the church. Again, at that point, it wasn't the church. They, were, they weren't even called Christians. They weren't called Christians until we get to the story in Antioch. At this point in, in, in the early movement of Jesus' followers, they were called people of the way. They didn't know how else to describe them, so they just said, you know, they, they're people of the way. They think there's only the way to God, um, and that was Jesus Christ. And so we've talked about how this whole thing has evolved. Last week we talked about Saul, who's later going to become renamed Paul, who wrote most of your New Testament. And we talked about how he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. He, Saul was a Jew of the Jews. He was, uh, he was working his way up to be one of the top Pharisee, Jewish, religious leaders of the day. And, and that was his goal. He had stayed at the feet of Gamaliel. He had been there at the stoning of Stephen. He had, he had actually gone to the church and said, look, or the church of Jerusalem, the Jewish church, and said, you know what, the synagogue. He'd gone to the synagogue of rulers and said, look, guys, here's what I want to do. I want to go pursue these people of the way and get rid of them. I, wanna, I want letters from you that says I can arrest them and I can bring them back to Jerusalem and they can be tried and, if necessary, even be put to death. He said, I want to do that because I'm a good Jew. And that was what was happening with Saul on his way to Damascus. A six-day journey. So it wasn't like he was saying, hey, I just want to go arrest a couple of neighbors. It was, no, 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 I want to go pursue these guys as far as we can go. We come to the story this morning, and I need to give you a little bit of insight on, on the story because it takes place at a place called Damascus. Now, Damascus sits on the edge of the desert. So Damascus is what we would call an oasis town. You know, if you've ever gone out to the, you know, we love going to the hills. And if you ever drive out to the hills, there's Al's Oasis. Um, and, you know, it's kind of right on the edge there, you know, the Badland thing. It's outside of Chamberlain there. And, 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 and you know, it's kind of like, and, and on and the other end of the Badlands is uh, um, uh, uh, Waldrug. Yeah, Waldrug. Why? Why Waldrug? I mean, the guy was a marketing genius. You know, you know, everywhere you go in the country, you see Waldrug stickers. And it's like, really? For those of us that have been there, it's like, really? Uh, you know, but yet it, it's just one of those things because it's kind of one of those places everybody stopped. Well, this was on a main trade route. And it, so if you were going into the desert, it was like your last stop. If you're coming out of the desert, it was like the first time you've seen civilization. So this, this was a pretty active area. If you know anything about history, it's one of the ten cities of the Decapolis. So Rome kind of has some influence and some rule over this thing as well. There is a huge Jewish um, group there. Well, the gospel had made its way to Damascus, and there are now Christians there that had a Jewish background. So they're now Christians there, and so Saul is making his way to persecute them, to arrest them, to bring them back to Jerusalem. So that's, that's where we find the story. We talked about last week, on the way, he sees a great light, God speaks to him, he gets saved, he becomes a Christian. But he's blind. And so God tells him to go to the street called Straight, and, and so he goes there to a guy's house by the name of Judas. 
And we'll talk about that in a second. So here's the text, uh, Acts chapter 9, and here's what it says. It says, Now a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, Lord. Now, we believe that Ananias was a leader of the synagogue, a Christian leader, but he was a, a, a big Christian leader in, in Damascus. And as a good Christian and as a good person who would have known the Bible, when God speaks, the standard response is, here am I, Lord. You know, you see it with Samuel, you see it with the prophets, here am I, send me. You see, this is a common Old Testament response to God. And so notice what he says, and he said, here am I, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish. He said, okay, Ananias, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to this street. God's very specific. I want you to go to this street. I want you to go to this house, and I want you to ask for this guy. Now, he's going to ask for who? Saul of Tarsus. And notice what it said. <clears throat> for behold, he is praying. So Saul now, who's been blind, has now made his way to Judas's house. He is now praying, probably asking God to be able to see again. Asking God, you know, again, he, Saul's world had turned upside down. We're going to talk about this in a second. He, everything that he knew had been inverted. He thought he was on the winning side by, by serving God, by becoming a good Jew, by going and persecuting these people of the way. And then he comes to find out that God was on their side, not his side. This would have been earth-shattering to this guy. He has spent his entire life working his way up that ladder only to find out he was on the wrong ladder. And so notice what it says. It says he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. I think this is phenomenal. For those of you who have been Christians for a while, you can't even wrap your head around this. You can't wrap your head around the idea that God comes to Ananias and says, this is what I want you to do. And he goes to Saul and says, this is what's going to happen. And Ananias hasn't even said yes yet. But God knew how Ananias would respond. That's why he went to Ananias, because he knew this is, this is my guy. This is a guy who will do what I asked him to do. This is a guy who I can trust. This is a guy who will respond in the right way to me. To me. And so he comes to Ananias and he says, okay, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go and, and, and do it. Now, now, if you're Ananias and you're a Christian leader in Damascus and God asks you to go and find Saul of Tarsus. Let me ask something. If you're Saul and you're persecuting people of the way and you're trying to get rid of them and they're coming into a new city, who are you probably going to target? You're going to target the leaders of Christianity in that city, right? So guess who probably is on the top five list of people to go haul back to Jerusalem? And God now comes to him and says, this is what I want you to do. If you're Ananias, who I think is a godly man, what do you say? Not me. 
really close. Look at what he says in the next verse, verse 13. Then Ananias said, Lord, (laughs) I have heard from many about this guy. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Time out, God. Do you know what you're asking of me? Are you sure you didn't get the names mixed up? Because I heard about this guy. We, we, we know what he did to all of the people of the way in Jerusalem. And we know how adamant he is that the chief priests have allowed him to give him letters to say, go round up more of them. And you want me to go see who? Are you, I love this, are you sure, God, you didn't make a mistake here? I just need to check before I go. And then notice what happens. It goes on. But the Lord said, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. He said, Ananias, I got big plans for this guy. You're going to have to trust me here. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You see, you're right, Ananias. This guy has done an awful lot of things to people of the way, including being there when Stephen was martyred. You need to understand, not only is he going to follow me, and not only going to use him, but he's going to pay a really high price for following me. He's going to experience things because he decided to follow me. And it's okay to go. Now, time out here because I got to think, if you're Ananias, that is one long trip. I mean, Judas's house may have been like three blocks down, but that's the longest three blocks he's ever walked. Thinking, I'm going to go in face to face and meet Saul of Tarsus. And I'm going to do it because God told me to do it. But what am I going to face when I get there? What am I going to come up against? You know, because I don't know what the future holds. But I'm going to go anyway. And notice what happens next. He goes on. It says, verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying hands on him, he said, What? Brother Saul. Now, some people believe that this was just a common Jewish greeting, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he knew that at this point he'd become a Christian. And I think at this point he's got a tremendous amount of faith and trust in God. And he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I think literally this is a filling, not an indwelling. I think he's already become a Christian. I think you already see the idea that he's a Christian. Because he comes in and he calls him what? Brother Saul. And that's what he says. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once. All of a sudden now this guy who had been blind sees. And for the first time, I think it's interesting, he sees Ananias. And it says, and he arose and was baptized. 
Now Saul says, I want to be identified with that group of people who called themselves people of the way. I want everybody to know, because by the way, we've never talked about this, but think about it for a minute. Remember there was a group traveling with him? I don't know if they're still there or not. I don't know if they dropped him off at Judas's house and said, hey, buddy, you're blind now. I can't help you. You're on your own. Or if they stayed with him. But one of the things that happens is he says, I want to be associated with him. I want to be baptized. And then notice the next step. He says, so when he received food, he was strengthened. And he spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Can't do that. Um, All right. A a couple of takeaways for the the, the whole thing. Um, And and I think some things that will help us as we go throughout this week. Okay. Uh, First principle I see is this. Sometimes God asks some pretty difficult things of you. See, we're in this mindset sometimes that I become a Christian, things get easier, and I think nothing could be farther from the truth. See, the second you become a Christian, the second you were placed in Christ, Satan kind of put a bullseye in your back that says, now I want to undermine him. Now, you know, they, they've joined God's team, I want them back on my team. And so Satan works incredibly hard in our lives. And so I think one of the things that you notice in Christianity is this idea that sometimes God's going to ask. I think most of the time God asks you to do very hard things. In his case, he wanted Ananias to go all the way and confront Saul of Tarsus, the guy who was responsible for, in some cases, the, the death of people. And I'm sure that was a very difficult thing for him to trust God to do. And sometimes God asks us to do really, really tough stuff. But that's okay. That's okay. You know why? Because there's nobody who did anything tougher than what Jesus did for me. So why should I think my life, if I want to be a Christ follower, if I want to be like Christ, I think that's why when Paul prays, the guy we're talking about, he says that I may know him and the fellowship of his suffering. So it's okay if I go through some tough times. And sometimes God's going to ask you to do hard things. I want to talk to kids for a minute. Kids, listen to me. God's going to ask you to do it differently than all the other kids at school. See, when they cheat, God's going to ask you to stand up and be a person of truth and to not cheat. See, when they're out doing things that they know are wrong, They're going to want you to be a part of it. And God's going to ask you not to. When they're out there saying, look, it's no big deal. You know, don't worry about the drinking thing. You know, we won't get caught, blah, 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 blah. It's against the law. Period. Well, you know, I think it's a silly law that, you know, you can go fight for your country and you can't drink. Well, let me tell you the walk around to that. Go fight for your country. If you get stationed in Germany, at 18 you can drink. Okay? I mean, really. Kids, you know. Well, you know, I think, you know, the whole, the whole premarital sex thing, it's all way out of whack. Way, way out of whack. God's going to ask you to do tough stuff and wait. Adults. 
God's going to ask you to do tough stuff. When somebody pushes your buttons and ticks you off and you want to give them a piece of your mind, God's going to say, you be a person of peace. (laughs) Wow. Um, When those animals aren't doing what you want them to do. You know, Lael used to, we used to joke, you know, somebody used to say a Christian hog farmer is an oxymoron. Um, And I, I never understood that until I raised a hog. If you could ever lose your salvation, I did. And it was over a hog. Okay? <laughs> Honestly, I tell you what, it's a good thing I didn't have a weapon in that house or it would have been dead. I'm telling you, nothing more frustrating. But, you know, I mean, that was a real test of it. God asks you to do the hard thing. When everybody else at work is cutting the corners, God's going to ask you to be the kind of employee that honors God. I mean, you've got, you've got to understand that. You've got to understand that God asks tough things of us. And that's okay. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And when God asks the tough things of you, like Ananias, we have to say, all right, Lord, time out, Lord. I just want to check one more time. Are you sure? Yep, that's what I want you to do. Okay, then, that's the path we'll go down. For us in our life, you know what? It was pretty tough when I had to look at Gene's parents and go, I think the Lord wants us in Wisconsin. Now, let me tell you something. You take a, first of all, there had been no Vaughn outside the state of Virginia ever living. And then to go to Wisconsin, my poor wife, you know, I was from Chicago area. It wasn't that big a difference for me. But my poor wife, who it snowed, I remember the first time, and it's like, oh, that's pretty. And he didn't go away for four months. You know, she never saw the ground again for four months. I mean, I remember one time we were driving, and literally it was stacked so high, it was like driving down a tunnel, you know. But we said, that's where the Lord wants us, so we'll go. Now, believe me, there's a lot of, on her end particularly, are you sure, Lord? When we came out here, I'm like, are you sure, Lord? You know? There is nothing out there, Lord. Are you sure? Okay, then, we'll go. Couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier. Sometimes God's going to ask you to do hard things, and that's okay. Second idea I think you see in this, in this story that's sometimes I think easy for us to forget is this idea that as far as God goes, God's got a plan, even though you may not think he's got a plan. See, think about it this way for a minute. What if Ananias hadn't gone? See, Ananias was part of Paul's life, who ultimately ends up being a, 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 a instrumental in the life of a lot of believers, who ultimately ends up coming down to us. Because many of you who read your Bible have read the books that Paul wrote. What if Ananias hadn't gone? He was part of a process. And he was just willing to say, okay, Lord, I don't know how. You know, that's what, I I can't stress this enough. Those of you who are praying, those of you who are giving, those of you who are feeding us, those of you who are up here working, those of you who are having any part at all in this thing, you have no idea. No idea 
how God can use it. Just like the ones of us who helped build this thing had no idea that we would ever, ever, ever have to do a second one. And we're just overwhelmed. We were just hoping we could fill this area. God has just continued to... to, to In fact, I go back. Um, You know, I've, I've, I've challenged people to do this. Those of you who are back there, go down, drive down there. Seriously, drive into where the parking lot used to be for the old church. It will blow your mind. Yeah, exactly. Earl did it this week or two ago. He told me, he goes, I can't believe how small it was. I said, I know. I said, it's like our buildings are bigger than the whole thing. And I said, you know, I drive in. I don't even know where we parked when I go down there. And that's a reminder of, look, you know why? Because it's part of all of this. And for those of us who got to do this and now see this, it's like, if God can do this, God, I don't know what he's going to do out there. You know, you want to know what one of the funnest things this week was? Take the name tags and stick them on the back of drywall. Um, we put up about 130 sheets. I'd say probably at least 90 of them, 80, 90 of them have got a tag on the back of them somewhere. People were praying for. It was kind of fun to throw it on there and go, <laughs> Lord, who knows? You know, who knows? Who knows? And, and, and I just want to encourage you because you're, look, God wants to use you. Don't, don't, you go, you don't understand, PJ. I'm just like in the, I'm in this little corner of the world and doing my little thing. No, no, you don't understand God wants to use you. And God uses a guy by the name of Judas a guy to house Paul. And then God uses a guy by the name of Ananias to, to be able to help him receive his sight. And they're all part of this chain. That we go all the way back to. Don't, don't underestimate how God can use you. The last thing is this. And this is the thing that, that, that I think is so amazing in this story. Is when Saul becomes a Christian. He wants to be associated with God's people. Well the first things he does is get baptized. As a way to be associated with this group people away. Now listen. For this guy, that was huge. Because he was saying, everything that I believed before, I'm putting on the background because that's not the way anymore. This is the way. And I want to be associated with the very people I'm trying to end and destroy. And then I think one of the most amazing things in this story, and, and, and I just hit it at the end. It's really, really quick. But notice what it says. He spent some days with the disciples. Let me ask you something. If you're a disciple and you watch this guy be instrumental in the death of one of the other disciples, Stephen, and now this guy wants to spend time with you, how open and receptive are you? And I'm sure there are some disciples who sat there and went, oh, we want to share with you everything. I would not have been one of them. I'm one of those skeptical people. I'm one of those guys that go, you're just a spy for Jerusalem, and this is the way to get in and find out how we all work, so you can like undermine us and blah, blah, blah. I tend to be on that paranoia route on stuff like that. 
So to me, this speaks volumes to be able to say, you need a different outlook. They were willing to give this guy a second chance. They were willing to let this guy come in and grow with them. So it tells me a lot about the mindset of the disciples who were followers. They were able to sit back and say, okay, Saul, come on, let's share with you. And can you imagine what this conversation would have been like? When he's trying to connect all the Old Testament stuff to Jesus, and they have got a better understanding of it, and they're teaching him and going, okay, no, 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 you need to understand, Jesus taught this. I, I, I know the law says that, you know, you're supposed to do an eye for an eye, but that's not the way we do it. I, I know the law says that, that you worship God with all of these rules and stuff like that, but don't you worship God with your heart first. And they had to undo all of these things that Paul had that he had been brought up, and, and he couldn't get enough of it, and so he spends time in Damascus and says, okay, God, teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me. I'm like a sponge, teach me. And this guy is going to grow, and he's going to go on, and he's going to be doing the same thing to other people and, and let me tell you something, when he would walk into churches or synagogues and want to speak, and they let him speak thinking he was a Jew-Jew, not, not the fruit, not the thing in the box, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> Jew-Jew, uh, you know, he was, a, he, was a, he was a Jewish Jew, all right? Uh, it, it was that way. And then he would come in and he would tell them about Christ. And they'd want to throw him out of the temple. They'd want to stone him, and they'd want to get rid of him. And, he, and, 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 and God used him in a great way. And, and, and I just want to challenge you because I think one of the things that you have to, we have to be very careful of is the way, we, uh, the way we deal with people as they come into our lives. And, and, you know, we all have our stereotypes, and we all have our, our, our things that we like and things that we don't. I, I think we have to be understanding as to where people are. And they were willing to trust God that he was going to take care of the church and he was going to take care of these people. And when Paul comes in, they're willing to say, okay, Paul, we're going to help you grow. And as God continues to work here, we have to have the same attitude. We have to have the same attitude. Well, we'll love you as you are and we'll help you as you want to grow. And none of us has made it. And we're all a work in progress. But we're all in it together and we'll just grow together. You know? And that's one thing. You know, people are like, you know, well, you know, what's your vision? I'm along for the ride. You know, this alone would have scared the life out of me back when we started this thing. But yet God is in the middle of doing some really neat things and it is so much fun to be smacked dab in the middle of it all and I just want to encourage you because being a part of God's people is this incredibly special thing and one of the things that happens when Saul becomes a Christian is one of the first things that he gravitates towards I want to be a part of that group of people and that, that, that's one of the things that I hope is true of us as a church is that as people see us interact one with another they go you know what there's something, I know they go, there's something different about them. Um, but in a good way, where they go, you know what? I don't know what it is, but there's something different there. I want to be a part of it. And then we have the opportunity to share with them, look, it's not us. We're all, we're all so different and diverse and everything else. But what we have in common is Christ. It's Christ in us. That's what we have in common. We'd love for you to be a part of that too.
That's what it's about. So I end this morning with this. God may ask some difficult things from you. Our job is to respond in obedience. Our focus needs to be allowing God to work his plan in our lives and not our plan. God will use us if we'll let him. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for your word. Thanks for this incredible story. Now help us to apply it. Lord, for some here, you've asked some incredibly hard, difficult things. And Lord, I pray that you give them the grace and the strength to continue to serve you faithfully. Lord, for others, um, they're struggling. So, so, so Lord, help them in that struggle. Lord, for each of us, as we head into this week, Lord, there are ways that you want to use us. There are people that you want us to encourage, help, pray for, come alongside of. So, Lord, help us not to be so focused on our world that we miss your world and what you're doing around us. And when it is all said and done, Lord, use us this week. We'll give you the honor and glory and praise these things we ask in your name. Amen. Um,